It is Brian Noonan, 720 WGN. Sox win! Sox win! A Sox win. Very exciting. It's nice to follow a win, Cody. A lot of times we follow uh, big losses, but today the Sox win 5-1. to one. Woohoo! So, uh, so that is good. Sox off tomorrow night. We are not. We are here today, and we have a big show planned for you. It is always more fun when you get involved. I say that every week. You should know that by now. How do I get involved, Brian, you may ask? And I will say, where have you been? But I will also tell you 312-981-7200. That's the phone. That is also the text number. If you choose to call in via telecommunication devices, uh, you will be talking to Cody. Oh my God, what is Brian talking about golf? He is the executive producer from Rockford, Illinois. If you're nice to him, you get to me. Uh, On social media, you can always keep up with our, oh man, we are engaged on social media via Facebook and Twitter at the Brian Noonan Show. So uh, you can go there. You can leave comments. You can uh, see things. Oh, you can see original artwork today on the page. Very exciting. Lots lots to get to. We are going to uh, have a uh, Bowtie Theater review after 5.30 because Cody and I had an opportunity to be at the theater the other night and enjoy another uh, fine Broadway in Chicago offering. So we will talk about the band's visit after 5.30. After 6 o'clock, we are going to uh, talk about a... uh, Upcoming fundraiser for the uh, Scleroderma Foundation of Chicago. It is cooking up a cure, so uh, we will talk to um, Chef Cletus Friedman and uh, the executive producer of the Scleroderma Foundation. So we will find out all about their big event that's coming up. I am... uh, I was a little thrown off coming into the building today because, Cody, you know in this day and age we are always told if we see something, we should say something. That is, that's the buzzwords. We have all turned into a nation of Gladys Kravitzes. We are all undercover narcs, ATF, ICE, and uh, Homeland Security agents. Wherever we are, we are on hyper alert. I am constantly vigilant. Right now, I am uh, aware that there could be someone under the console here. I'm saying something to you. So I've seen something, even if it's in my mind, now I've said something. But today, this was an actual thing. So I'm pulling in. Uh, I parked in the building, and I know I, I say that, and it gives away my security clearance. I I want people to wonder where I'm parked. I could be parked anywhere in the city. I couldn't. There's a chance I'm not even doing this from the uh, studios here at WGN. I could be anywhere, as far as you know. But suffice it to say that today, I'll I'll risk it. I'll risk it all and say that I am in the building, and I parked in the building today. So you come into the garage from Lower Wacker which is exciting because I shoot up this ramp from Lower Wacker, and it's almost like the Batcave because as I pull into the garage, uh, the door will open immediately as a car pulls in. Not my car uniquely, but any car that pulls up, it opens up. It's very exciting. So I'm shooting up the ramp, and I like to to take that ramp at a high rate of speed if I see it's a green light because then I can catch a little air. As I come up, as I clear the, as I clear the top of the hill, I could I could take off a little, uh, kind of fast and the furious. I could uh, just a little bit. The Hyundai the Hyundai leaves the ground for just a split second, but I had to slow down this time because I see a man walking from north to south along the sidewalk. How do you know uh, north to south? Because I know my directions. Your details are oddly specific. I want people to... This, it's called theater of the mind, You're Cody. painting a very vivid picture. Of course I am. That's what I do. My tongue is like Rembrandt. <laughs> I'm going to leave that one right there. Leave it alone. I'm still trying to get over your Bewitched reference from earlier, which I got, by the way. Thank you. Great show. <laughs> sure it is. So, the guy's walking north to south. This is this because as he's coming, he's 
coming toward the Batcave entrance. So I slow down enough, but he sees me and he stops. So I come through, and now I'm watching him out of my rearview mirror because I'm nothing if not suspicious of the entire human race. Everyone is a threat. Doesn't matter. Male, female, children are a threat. Infants could be a choking hazard if they, you know, if they decide to just leap into your mouth and, you know, because their tiny heads would fit in there, just cut off your windpipe. So I see the guy, and he's, as I'm pulling in, he's eyeballing me, and he's eyeballing the, uh, he's eyeballing the door to the Batcave. I'm like, hmm, wonder what he's up to. So now I see him in my rearview mirror walk across the garage door. So he's still, he's still continuing on the sidewalk, but the entire time he's continuing on the sidewalk, he's looking into the garage. I get my ticket. I look out. As the door starts to go down, whoop, he whips into the garage on foot, and he begins walking into the garage. Now I think to myself, this is unusual. Because he's obviously not here to get a car. And he doesn't look like he knows what's going on in the garage. The whole thing about the door opening seemed confusing and alluring to him at the same time. So here's my problem. Now I see him in the garage and I'm thinking he probably doesn't belong here. And I know in garages around the city lately there has been vandalism and uh, larceny. There's been thievery. So I'm thinking this, this can't be right. So I think, well, I'm not going to park on this floor. Then I'm going to go down another floor to protect my car. Tuck it away in the corner. So I do that because, you know, why give him, why give him the target? He's seen me come in. He knows I'm not going to be in that car. So I don't want him, I don't want him going, eh, man, that car looks, that's the car I got to break into. There's got to be something in there. All he'd get are my two beach chairs that I had at the uh, concert last night. But that's a whole other story. So I, I'm debating the whole way up in the elevator, do I say something to security? And if I do say something to security, how do I say it so, one, I don't look like a lunatic, and two, I don't trigger anyone? Because you know, Cody, I pride myself on being woke. Kind of uh, the same kind of woke you are when you're under twilight sedation. You're kind of awake, but you're kind of asleep. That's my level of wokeness. I'm kind of woke, but I'm not fully woke. But I'm woke enough to know that I need to be careful, probably, of how I describe this uh, potential criminal activity. So, now I will say, this: the, the guy walking in was mid-30s, white guy, skinny, tall, kind of like you, except scruffier. Yeah. Uh, wearing, wearing, and I, I was amazed at my recall. He had on a gray short sleeve shirt that kind of looked almost like a work shirt. And then blue jeans, and he had dark hair and a goatee. And I was like, all right, I got this guy. But now I go up to our security people at the, front, at the lobby of the building, and I'm thinking, how do you, I don't want to lead with race. I don't want, the, I don't want race to be my lead characteristic for this guy. But it's a, a pretty important detail if you're giving information about, about someone, you know, but but I'm overthinking the wokeness. I'm like, well, would I would I be? Why am I worried about saying it's a white guy? Um, would I be? Am I worried? Am I worried about saying it's any kind of guy or woman? So I say to the security person, uh, listen, I don't know if you guys uh, handle this, and I said, but you know, everybody's supposed to see something and say something. So I thought I would say something, and I tell her, and she goes, well, do you know what the guy looks like? And I'm like. In my mind, yeah, I do. So I start out with every 
description other than race. Because, and, and I, I'm talking about a white guy to an African-American security guard, and I shouldn't have to, that shouldn't be the front of my mind. Worrying about talking about the race of this person, my my concern should be that I'm describing something that could potentially, you know, be a problem. Well, so I give her, well, he's tall and he's this and he's that and he's blah 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 blah, blah. and I go, hey, he's a white guy, <laughs> and she was like, hmm, and she seemed she seemed a little concerned, like, yes, thank you, this should fall under our purview of. What we as security people in this building do, we should be checking. But then I got the feeling that maybe it wasn't what she was going to do. Maybe she was just going to go, oh, look at this lunatic, tell me some guy walked into the parking garage. So I don't know. I don't know if I did. I think I know I did the right thing because I feel comfortable now. Because at least if, God forbid, somebody's cars are broken into, I I alerted them uh, you know, before the fact, you know. But the guy seemed the guy seemed hinky. I'm not gonna lie to you. He seemed it was sketchy. I'm glad you said something. Should it? Do you feel? I, I feel like we're all everyone's too afraid alert. to be wrong, and this is the right. kind of thing that gets people in trouble. Oh, I feel like my heart has palpitations, and I might have a heart attack, but I don't want to go to the doctor because I don't want to be wrong. Next thing you know, you're dead. Right. Seriously. Well, it, yeah. If I had if I had seen tomorrow, or we had gotten a company newsletter or, or an email from the boss going, "Hey, uh, just so you know, be careful if you park in the building because there were a lot of cars vandalized Sunday afternoon." I go, "Oh, I could have stopped it." Right, but nobody wants to look or feel stupid, and that that sucks. Like, but that's, that's a, my stock in trade. That's what everyone's <laughs> stock in trade is, though. It's looking stupid. Is, so, no, I'm saying I shouldn't be that worried about it because <laughs> you know that's kind of what I do. For example, I just pulled my headphone cord out with my foot. So, uh, oh, so you can't hear anything I'm saying? No, now I can. Oh, good. That's good. But yeah, no, this is this is a thing. I mean, I think I think you were right again. When you see something, say something. Even if you're not sure, you should say something. Yeah, and it's better safe than sorry. And I, I again, it's when you you're always worried about you don't want to offend, but. All right, so I say something, and they go down, and they find this guy just wandering around, and maybe maybe he's up to nothing. Maybe he's just, I don't know. But why would you wander into a parking garage without a car if you're up to nothing? You're probably up to something, or looking to get into something. Uh, well, especially on a weekend yeah. downtown. Right. I mean, downtown Chicago on weekends in the non-residential buildings, it's like, how many people are here besides consultants? But if you parked in this building, you have to come up, you have to come up the elevator to the lobby. Sure. Or to the... Or it's connected to the uh, Swiss Hotel, and you have to get off and go to their their front desk. So you're not there's no street access to this garage, unless you sneak in when somebody comes shoom, shooting up the hill and there you know takes flight into the door. So it was just it was strange, and it was a strange thing to that I you know I was worried about the description. And yes, before anybody asks, yes, I would have worried about that no matter who I was describing, because you don't, in this day and age, God forbid you you offend anybody. Yeah, right? I mean, I imagine if Alfred took the Batmobile out for a little car wash, and then was pulling it back in, and then went up to Batman and said, you know, there was this short fat guy dressed like a penguin, he had a top hat, I think Batman would appreciate that he said something. You think so? Yeah, He's I lurking think so. around and he followed me in? Yeah, or a woman cosplaying as a cat. 
Ooh. You know, those yeah, are you things. Definitely want her to come in. Yeah, I like sure. that you took. I like that you took this uh, real life. Uh, granted, a tiny bit exaggerated uh, episode and turned it into something from the DC universe. Knowing that I am firmly in the Marvel universe, and any mention of DC offends firmly. Firmly, you're not going to see the Joker movie. Uh, yeah, it's getting see it. uh, accolades. It won it. Uh, oh, won the big, uh, it won the, the big Golden Lion. Yeah, the Golden Lion at the Venice Film Festival. Yeah, I've seen the trailer a number of times. Joaquin Phoenix looks terrifying. I will tell you, my uh, do. my wife has a strong aversion to superhero movies. Yes, ideologically, uh, cinematically, ideologically, she has nothing. She wants nothing to do with superheroes and supervillains. She saw the trailer for the Joker movie before we saw Once Upon a Time in Hollywood at the Music yes. Box Theater, and uh, she turns to me and she's like, "I want to see that movie." Really? Yeah. Widespread appeal. And, and what means, is the idealistic objection to superheroes? Ideological uh, yeah, objection. Well. It's that, um, well, in real life, there are no real heroes and villains, which we can look to history and any current human being to see. Well, sure. So, and, and it, it kind of, it, it, yeah, it could train people uh, incorrectly to think that people can be all good or bad, which is never the case. Uh-oh, I got a Uh-oh. phone ringing is that, in here. Is that your wife? That's my bat phone. Stop talking about That's me. That's my bat, phone. bat phone. Someone's in the cave. Alfred maybe might be back. Maybe it's security going, hey, we were listening. We caught this guy. He was breaking into like a million different cars. It was insanity. Thank goodness you said something. 312-981-7200. Have you seen something? Have you said something? What was the result? Were you were you proven right? Did you feel good? Even if you were even if you were wrong. Did you feel that you had fulfilled your civic duty if you saw something and said something? Uh, let me know. We've got so much more to get to. It's 720 WGN. Oh, going back. Going back to the 60s. Old school Batman. Adam West. I mean, done a couple crunches. You're making uh, bewitched references. we got to make all the references, Cody. That's what we do. We make outdated references for outdated listeners. Because I'm an outdated host. It's all, everything is, this is, this is a throwback. You think, you think Carl and Lisa do old-timey radio? This is old-timey radio right here. We're talking about things just for fun. There's not going to be any Sharpie talk here. There's not going to be any talk about the Taliban coming to town on 9-11 week. None of that. We could talk about it all day, but why? It's Sunday afternoon. You're getting ready to go back to work, and you're all revved up anyway because your kids are screaming because they didn't do their homework, and you got to make lunch tomorrow, and you're thinking, oh, my God, i got to go back to work, and my boss is a jerk. All of that's happening. So, you know, we know what's out there, so we'll make some references. Uh, very proud of my wife. Uh, for many things. She's getting her second master's degree. She uh, puts up with me for uh, well over two decades. She's done a lot of things to be proud of. Last night, she became a smuggler of the First Order. Uh, we went to see ZZ Top and Cheap Trick. Talk about talk about a throwback. ZZ Top is on their 50th anniversary tour. Imagine, Cody, this band has been a lo- around your entire life plus another adolescent. 50 years of ZZ Top, same three guys. Uh, so they're on their 50th anniversary tour, and Cheap Trick opened for them. Another another band that has been around forever. Because I looked it up, and uh, Cheap Trick, they, they broke huge with the live album at Budokan. Uh, Cheap Trick live at Budokan. Yes. <laughs> what do you look so surprised for? Are you leaving? He took his headphones off. He's like, I can't listen to any more of this. Um, so that was in 78. So Cheap Trick has been around a long time. Uh, ZZ Top been around a long time. They both put on great shows last night. It was a, it was a lot of fun. But 
you know, we were going and we were sitting on the lawn like we always do. And my wife had this thing called a Portavino. It is a purse. Now, she got it because our daughter, who is in New York working on a TV show, uh, one of the producers at this show got a couple of these purses as a promotional thing. And basically, if you haven't seen the Portavino, it looks like a beautiful hand lady's handbag. They come in all different sizes, and they hold anywhere from one to two bottles of wine in a pouch that's in a hidden inner insulated compartment. And then there's a little flap where a tapper comes out of this of this pouch. And you can then uh, have your wine or whatever you filled the pouch with. Uh, theoretically, it could be pop, it could be uh, milk, whatever whatever you like to drink uh, when you're on the go and don't have uh, can't bring a cooler with you. So my wife uh, says before we go, you know what? I'm going to try this. Uh, I'm going to try the purse tonight. I'm going to you know, I'm going to load up a bottle in the Portavino and take it with. And then because she is a good law-abiding honest human being, she starts to panic. It was like that scene if you here's another throwback for you Cody. It was like the scene from Midnight Express when the guy is about to try to <laughs> try to uh, leave with a hash all over him. Now my wife has this this pouch of wine in this leather handbag. And it looks and I keep saying handbag because I'm 87 years old. A purse. And it's got it, it looks you would never know. You would never know that this bag uh, held contraband. The whole ride down. Well, what if they catch me? I go, "Well, I'm walking in before you. So, if you get caught, you know, call me and I'll uh, I'll come bail you out." I said, I don't think they're going to throw you in concert jail. I think they'll probably just, if they do figure it out and find not only the insulated inner compartment holding this pouch of wine, but also maybe the flap that the tapper will come out of. It's ingenious, Cody. you got to look this up and see it. Um, I said, well, then we'll figure it out. So she, we go up together. Now, we have our chairs, our our chairs that we take with us to sit on the hill and you're allowed to take the chairs and they the chairs have a little pocket on the back they open that up they oh a water bottle we have to just break the seal and I'm, okay that's cool they break the seal and then close a the water bottle up and debbie starts stammering like she <laughs> like she is a, a really bad scarface like she is smuggling in uh weapons of mass destruction to the concert and she's uh, and I'm just ahead of her. So I clear I clear the metal detector, and I stop, and I turn, and I'm watching, and I'm seeing her eyes darting around, and the, the woman opens her bag and looks, and then Debbie goes, there's a bottle of water in there. And I'm like, shut up. <laughs> so the, the wood takes out the bottle of water and breaks the seal and puts it down, and then Debbie's like, oh, is everything okay? And, and then she can't find her ticket on her phone, and she's... She leaves She leaves her chair, and I'm like, Debbie, your chair! The whole thing, just to get a bottle of wine through the purse. Well, we get in, and then we're sitting up on the hill, and I'm like, well, are you going to have some of your wine? What if somebody sees me? There's people smoking pot right next to us. I don't think you... And what the deal was, so we drank the water. She drank the water out of her little water bottle, and that's what she was going to fill up with wine. And me, too. I don't want to make it sound like she's the only one who's going to have some wine. But, but then... She wouldn't she wouldn't tap it until it got dark. Cause I, I don't know who she thought was gonna see her. If there were drones hover, hovering over the hill that were gonna, you know, thermal imaging is gonna uh, some cabernet is coming out of a purse, but it worked perfectly. 
I posted a picture of it today. Uh, you just open this, lift this flap, and the tapper pops out of the side of the purse, and then you just squeeze it, and out comes the wine. It was fantastic. So now she's getting now she's getting brazen, and I and she's like, next time I'm going to put both pa- both pouches in there. I'm going to fill up uh, two bottles. Where are we going that we need two bottles of wine? But I can't wait. It's gonna be it's gonna be exciting. But she's not. I should be relieved that she's not good at uh, being dishonest. But there was a part of me that just laughed. I'm like, oh, you are, you are so bad at this. Thank goodness. All right, on the other side of the news, we are going to have a bow tie theater review. Yes, we were at the theater. Were you? Will you want to go to the theater? All of that on the other side of the news. Now, we do not have a break, so I will just say that it is 5.30 on 720 WGN, and in the newsroom is Don Kleppen. Wednesday night, we got to see uh, the band's visit, which has won 10 Tony Awards when it, was, uh, when it first came out on Broadway. A wonderful, a wonderful show. It came here under a lot of, uh, with a lot of hype. It is only here through September 15th. If you have not heard of the band's visit, in a nutshell... Here's what the here's the plot of the show. It's uh, after a mix-up at, a, at the border, an Egyptian police band is sent. To, they go to a remote village. They go there by mistake because they think they're supposed to be playing a concert in one town, but uh, there's a mix-up in the translation, and so they end up in this other town, which is basically in the middle of nowhere in Israel. Uh, and the the locals make uh, no no secret that this town is in the middle of nowhere, and they are kind of stuck. So there's no bus until the next morning. There are no hotels in this town, uh, this village. And so the band stays with various people who live in the town. One is a restaurateur. Uh, one is somebody who, uh, who works for her. And they, so they, band members stay with different um, people who live, like I said, people who live in the town. And you might sound, oh, that sounds kind of like uh, Come From Away, where people, no, it's not like Come From Away at all, except for the fact that strangers are forced to stay with local people. So, through the course of the show, the members of the band interact with different locals from this town, and the music that the band plays and the experiences that the townspeople have had kind of mingle together uh, to change their change their lives or give them a different perspective. Now, I will say this at the outset: if you go to musicals looking for pure escapism and big, huge production numbers, uh, this probably is not the show for you, because this is a show that has a different pacing. Uh, the The story is good. And the the actors and actresses in the cast, the cast does a phenomenal job. Uh, But it is not a big Broadway spectacle musical. It is a more internal production. The story is uh, a little more introspective. And it's at times a little depressing because the people in this town feel trapped and they don't know how their lives can get better and this is their circumstance they're in this place where it's a cafe and apartments and that's it and so as we learn about the different people in the town and their different hopes and their dreams and how their life has gone and you know have have we lost out on opportunities because of where we are and the fact that we never left and the band is leaving and can offer a little bit of perspective. Uh, it's 
it took it took me a while after the show to to kind of absorb a lot of this because it's not a fast paced thing. Um, I will say that uh, I mentioned the cast is great, led by Sasan Gabe as uh, Tufik. He is he plays the leader of the band, the older uh, officer who we learn we learn something about him later in the show and and see him make a little bit of a transformation toward another person in the band who he had had a relationship with differently at the beginning of the show. And then uh Chelina Kennedy plays Dina. She is she is the other main character. She's the owner of the cafe in this little town in Israel and uh she was she was wonderful. Showstopper. I'll tell you what, uh not only vocally theatrically she was great there was something about her i was i was taken she had a presence yes and it, it was, was palpable and the character is this no nonsense woman but you know that like a lot of people who put up a front you know there's something underneath and not not this stereotypical oh she's so vulnerable and she's going to break cuz she never the character doesn't break the character is a strong-willed woman throughout the whole performance but because of what she chooses to share and some of the things she she does, you you can see that she isn't as much she's having as many questions about being stuck in this town as everybody else. Even though on the surface she appears like she's got it in control, um, but she doesn't. I enjoy I enjoyed the show. Again, it took me it took me a little bit after to go okay it. It was different than a lot of the musicals that you see. It's not. It's not this big upbeat, feel good, da 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 da. It's more of a drama, with a wonderful score. The songs were all beautiful. Uh, there was one really funny song about uh, Dina's somebody who works with Dina at the diner. He's going out for the night, and he's trying to figure out how to talk to women, and and somebody from the band is talking to him through it. And that was a pretty funny song. That was a funny song. Very funny. Um, that was probably the the most the funniest part of the show and every show doesn't have to be funny i love a good drama so there was one there and it's not to say that it's it's depressing throughout it's it's thought provoking it's uh emotional it's deep it's not something that you can um that just on the surface you're going to go man that was, that was you know i got it immediately there's layers to this show. A lot of layers. A lot of layers. There's what, a lot to unpack. What did you think? What did you think? Because I'm telling uh, you, know, since you were there too, people want your opinion as well. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack. It, it, it's funny, you, you talk about theater, and when you go to the theater, you'll maybe go to a drama or a comedy. And there's, there's clearly delineated genres within, uh, within theater. Mm-hmm. But then you get to musical, and musical's kind of all... But, you know, it's all kind of yes. the same flat thing, right? But there is a massive difference between something like... Joseph, Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor right. Dreamcoat, or Cats, or an Andrew Lloyd Webber, or Tootsie, even right, and, or Come From Away, which we just saw, which was uh, again another phenomenal show, right? Yeah, or this, which is um, again kind of almost plays more like a drama with some songs. Yes, I'm the most reminded of um, uh, several years back. I saw Billy Elliot and Wicked in the same year. Okay, and Billy Elliot felt like kind of a drama with some mm-hmm. music and some numbers. And then you go to Wicked, and it's like over-the-top, just right. huge staging and big songs and big moments. And uh, 
And what I are what you choked I, up? Did the, did, is, are you okay? Do you need a Heimlich? Excuse me. That's all right. I don't want you to get hurt. No, I appreciate You're that. You're very invested in this. Talking's review. very hard. Hey, man. Is, listen, people think it's easy. To just run your mouth. <laughs> Four hours, two hours, whatever. So yeah, this this is in the more understated realm. Like they don't sing their first song right away. It just opens with a really funny shot, and there's a, yeah. a humorous little kind of sketchy scene in the beginning, and then they it then sets they get up into all it. The confusion. And even the first couple songs are like a minute. They're not even full numbers. Yeah. They're so short. And there's no big production numbers. It's 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 the scope is small. Like mm-hmm. you're saying it's it doesn't have that giant uh, when when we when I saw Aladdin and the, you know, obviously the cave and you ain't never had a friend like me. That's a showstopper moment. This had a lot of small moments. And a lot of small moments that where the music accentuated the story it didn't it it drove it to a point but the story and the relationships is what drives the plot of this show more so than the music the music is a beautiful accompaniment and this i thought the score was terrific and i loved the songs but it's not it's not a music driven musical yeah and that doesn't make sense when you say it out loud and people go what are you talking about go see it go see it at the cadillac palace theater you'll know then then call us back go i get i get what you were talking about it's we enjoyed it very much but <laughs> it's different it's it's different very different yeah. and um that is not to say that the music is not quite no, good the music is great every song that they sing is really catchy like i could totally listen to the whole soundtrack and at the same time because this is a show about literally a band visiting a town there are many members of the band who are less actors and they're more professional musicians yes and they play this. What is even the genre of the music? I guess it's Egyptian. It, it's it's tradition. It sounded like because when they came out at the, this is not a spoiler. After the show is all over, the band comes out and actually shows you that they can play. Oh, and they, they can play, play and they play and it's it seemed very traditional Egyptian sounding music. There was mandolin and there was uh, percussion and it, w- it was really good and the musicianship was phenomenal the musicianship was incredible like it was you will jump to your feet when when they're done playing some of these numbers and their instrumentals are kind of interspersed throughout the performance as kind of scenes change i should also mention the staging was really great with the the set and everything yes they transform the stage many times so it's visually this i think is becoming this is becoming something that i'm seeing in the the shows that aren't these giant spectacles but even in those the simplicity of the staging and the amount that it can change quickly with very minimal you don't even notice minimal intrusion on your sense of being pulled out of the production everything moves seamlessly and you know and a lot of them incorporate the the equivalent of a lazy susan in the middle of the stage where it's it's moving and the actors can come in and out and things things keep moving in a nice circular direction and it you focus on one thing and suddenly the set is different yeah, it had a really nice flow. I would say the set was even more impressive than when we saw maybe Cats, and there were a couple other shows well, that, that were big. Plus, I, I saw Cats <laughs> twice. I know you did. But you the, love it. But this, the uh, yeah, the, the whole thing. The, you know, uh, walls are moving around. They're they're building buildings in between things. People are are moving on conveyor belts or something. I don't really know what it was, but you know, and in between, you'll get snippets of the band performing something at a really high level like we're talking virtuosic we're talking 
Chicago Symphony level like performances of these instruments where they're just like they're playing the guitar so fast or doing these percussion breaks and you're just you know they finish and you you just want to applaud and it was funny there was only one actor playing a musician who you knew was not a musician and it became obvious but but his performance as as that person was terrific but then at one point he has to pretend he has to play his instrument and you're like well that's we you can kind of tell he's not really playing his instrument but it, that it's like a second you go oh he's not it doesn't matter doesn't matter then he comes out at the end and he's holding a tambourine so yeah. that's what, that's how you do he didn't he didn't really play his instrument the only thing that i didn't quite buy all the way um was the relationship between um between the two main characters Tufig and dina because I, I couldn't tell if it was supposed to be romantic. And I think that's from her perspective it was supposed to be. But from his it seemed more paternal. And so I wasn't sure about that. Um, but I mean, it, it, was, it was still a strong relationship. And you could tell there was a connection. I was just trying to figure out what that connection was. And in that way, I think it mirrored real life. You have somebody stop into your small town for a night, and you're both in kind of weird places. And he's much... These two characters, he was... He... In real life, he is a much older man than she is a a woman. So there is that... So maybe that that played into it for me as well. Art imitating life. I guess. Yeah, I, I would say, yeah, it wasn't like a, a clear-cut kind of Disney romance kind Thank of goodness. situation. I don't, where, want to, I, want to, I don't want a clear-cut Disney romance right, situation. Yeah, it wasn't a two-dimensional thing. There's a lot to unpack. I mean, really, and it's it's one 90-minute show, no intermission. Right. So it's, you know, it you get in and out of there pretty quick, but once you're done, there's a lot to think about. There's a lot of themes. I, I kind of wish I could see it again, to be yeah. honest. I can understand why it won so many awards. Oh, but, right. It won a lot of... It won, uh, it won Best Book. It won uh, Best Musical. It won Actor Awards for some of the cast. It was... It was, you know, it's it's definitely worth seeing. If you enjoy theater that makes you think a little bit, as well as entertains you completely, then you will really like the band's visit. I have to say this. This is completely, I don't think this has anything to do with the production, but once again, and maybe it's just me, I thought the sound at the beginning was not, was not great. Every show we see, it seems like whoever's running sound on the actors' mics is not on top of it at the beginning. Did you did you catch that, or is that just me again? For the first time, I completely agree. Okay. It was like, come on, be ready to go, because we want to hear everything that these actors are saying. We want to hear the music. We don't want to go, oh, it's a little bit muffled. And it was, it was. And that, again, that has nothing to do with the product on stage. That's a technical issue with the crew at the Cadillac Palace Theater, which is a, a wonderful venue, and the sound... Was fixed. I've noticed that show. Lots of theater around the city. It's it's just like the first ten minutes. It's like yeah. a weird thing with live theater in right. in, in the larger <laughs> um, theaters. It's it's like the first ten minutes. There's always some kind of um, and I know they do tech run throughs. I know they, sure I know they do all that like stuff. a recalibration maybe right. for like the size of the audience. I don't know what it is. It's just like a weird quirk. Maybe we just need to accept it as a given, Brian. I can't. <laughs> I can't. And again, I don't hold that against the the cast or anything it's just it's a 
something that we're noticing more and more. All right, so the band's visit out of four bow ties, I give the band's visit three bow ties. Uh, very good review. Three bow ties. The band's visit runs now through September 15th at the Cadillac Palace Theater. If you go to broadwayinchicago.com, you can get your tickets. Uh, if Again, if you like to think, if you want to, if you want to be thoroughly entertained and then have to, you know, on the ride home, Put a little thought into what you just saw. You will you will love the band's visit. And, uh, again, the, the work of the cast, especially Sasonga Bay and uh, Chalina Kennedy, was exemplary. So three bow ties for the band's visit. What, I, you don't have an official uh, branding, but uh, I don't know. a rating, rather. <laughs> three, what, what, three video game controllers. Three video game controllers. Something. No, three, I, three Donkey Kongs. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Three Donkey Kong barrels. No, I agree with that. I totally agree with your assessment. I would say if you're looking for a nice date night at the theater and you want a little bit of really good professional music on top of that, then then bring your date. If, you've, if you're seeing somebody who or your partner doesn't love the big show-stopping musicals, this is perfect. It's, yeah. it's a great night at the theater. It's a great night for very, very good, high-caliber live music, and it's not too over-the-top with the musical cheesiness, really, in any way. So, exactly. Yeah, there's none of that. Very accessible and uh, and uh, definitely, yeah, definitely recommend it. All right, so go see the band's visit now through September 15th at the Cadillac Palace Theater, another Broadway in Chicago production. Go to broadwayinchicago.com to get your tickets after this. There's more. It's WGN. Roger has joined us now, coming from uh, where he comes storming in after our, <laughs> after our Bowtie Theater review of the band's visit. He says, I saw that movie. I didn't even know it was a movie. Yeah, 2007. Really? Yeah, it was uh, at the Cannes Film Festival. Oh. It was entered uh, by Israel for foreign language film to the Academy. Really? Uh, Academy Awards, uh, 80th Academy Awards. But apparently, according to uh, the listing here, uh, it was rejected because it contained over 50% English dialogue. Is that right? Yeah. All right, well. Um, so I will say the production yeah. at the Cadillac Palace Theater, 100% English dialogue. Yeah. That's actually not true. That, oh, no, you are correct. There was a it bunch of there was a, yes. Arabic and Hebrew. Yes, you're right. Yeah. All right. And there is... Um, I guess because I understood what the gist of everything, I... <laughs> I went with that. It was incredible how much they could speak in Arabic and Hebrew, and you still understood right. what they were saying. Yeah, you you might not have you might not have gotten the exact, especially if they were arguing. But you knew, oh, I know what this argument's about. I, I, I can see what they're doing. Can I also say really fast? The sure uh, you you know, when I read the description of it, kind of going into it, it the clown movie or the band's visit, the band's visit. I got you. When I read the description of the band's visit on Wikipedia, I, I kind of looked and I'm like, oh, this is going to be some like ideologically heavy-handed geopolitical like conflict of religions because it's a it's an egyptian band visiting israel right you you just assume there will be something political or some statement no it's a slice of life straight up slice of life it could have been a bunch of white people could have been a bunch of asians could have been anybody anybody Anybody. and there's you know when they first when they first arrive in this town you can see the townspeople looking at them because they're a police band, so they're in uniform, and you can see the people looking, and uh, you know there's a couple cracks about the army, um, but that's it. That's there's no there's no message, po- no geopolitical message. Yeah, there are messages throughout, but no geopolitical messages. All right. So how was the movie, Roger? It, excellent, right. excellent. I, I I I was pulled in right from the beginning. Then there was a little spot where I'm thinking, all right, this is not going to be as great now as it was before. But then it comes right back in and really pulls you into the relationship yeah. and to the band, the the interaction of the members in their environment. 
and and it just kept me going all the way through the film. It was an excellent film. It's extremely highly rated. Uh, considered one of the best films of that year of two thousand seven. Very nice. Well, if you you should go to the yeah. Cadillac Palace Theater and see it uh, before September fifteenth, but then you can watch the movie or yeah. watch the movie then see the play. Compare and contrast. Who yeah. knows? Uh, I was very excited about this story. It's it's extremely on brand for me about this kid who's uh, who's making bow ties to help uh, animals in shelters. Kid in Vermont making bow ties. All about this kid. I love it. Uh, you can look it up. He's uh, he designs and he creates things. He's uh, he's only like a middle schooler. I think he's twelve. He's making these bow ties. It's very very. It's uh, have you seen this story? Yeah, yeah. It looks very cute. Very cute. And I I that's right up your alley, of Mr. Bow Tie. Right oh man, I, I got Cody to uh, I got Cody to order a bow tie because we're going to an event. On oh, Friday, really? yes, oh. we're going to. Uh, we, we were fortunate enough to be invited to the Green Time Ball, which Roe and Anna, you may hear them uh, during the week in the afternoons. Rokan Anna Devontes, they are emceeing the event, but Cody and I are attending. And um, Cody reached out to me. He didn't. He didn't take my advice. He reached out to me for a couple places to buy bow ties, uh-huh. and I gave him a couple of my favorite sites. And then he he found some on his own, and much to my chagrin, he did not go with a self tie bow tie. He did not oh. want to challenge himself to learn how to tie a bow tie like a true gentleman. Mm-hmm. He bought one, uh, you know, he bought a cheater bow tie. Pre-tied with the, the With the strap, strap or the it. clip-on? I hope it's the strap. The strap. Okay, I'm Don't, just asking. Wait a minute. Both are bad. You, could, you know how long it took me? And I'm an idiot. You know how long it took me to learn to tie a bow tie? Huh. Three minutes. I watched a YouTube video. You know wow. what? When I walked into Men's Warehouse and I said, I need a tuxedo for my wedding last couple years ago uh the guy goes okay cool here's what you need here's the bow tie and it was a wrap the thing around the deal bow tie sure because most people are afraid to try to tie a bow tie most most men would rather just oh just put it on because it it takes a little practice but at the end of the night you get to rat pack it you get to untie it and let the bow tie hang there undo Mm -hmm. the first couple buttons of the tuxedo shirt and then you swing baby you're (laughs) platinum you look good, you feel good, and you know and the ladies the Ooh. ladies appreciate it. They're I've, like, here's a guy I know you're married, but your lady would appreciate it. No, I'm saying I've got the strap, I can just unhook it and then let it hang. And then you look what, like fall every off? kid at prom <laughs> who's throwing up out of the back door of a limo. <laughs> That's what you look like when you when you undo the or every kid who's at his every guy who's the, the groomsman in his first wedding. And, you know, you're, oh, man, all your friends are like 23, and then they all take their bow ties off. Uh, or they put the bow, they unbutton their shirt, and then they strap the bow tie back around their neck, because that's funny. Because I saw John Belushi <laughs> doing it. Yeah, that's all right. We'll get you We'll get you one of these days, Cody. We'll, we'll, we'll class you up a little bit. All right. All right. All right. Well, I guess we got to go to the news. We're going to uh, talk to uh, Chef Cletus Friedman and Stephanie Gresh on the other side of the news. Find out all about cooking up a cure, which is happening very soon. Chicago stories told 24-7 on 720 WGN Chicago. Smart speaker users, just say play WGN radio on TuneIn. It is 6 o'clock with the news. There he is, Roger Back. If you are looking to do some good and you think, I like I like to help out a worthy cause, I also like to eat and drink fantastic food and uh, drink good beer and wine, um, then... Thursday, you need to be at City Hall for the Cooking Up a Cure fundraiser. It is all to help the uh, scler- scleroderma. I'm going to let me let me introduce Stephanie Gresh, who is the executive de- director of the Scleroderma Foundation of Greater Chicago. Am I saying it right? Am I getting anywhere close to uh, the correct pronunciation? <laughs> that, was, that was very close and very correct. Right. Scleroderma. Scleroderma. <laughs> yep. Okay. 
the the event, Cooking Up a Cure, is for the Scleroderma Foundation. Many of us, myself included, until I started uh, researching you guys coming in, and Chef Cletus Friedman is here as well. He is the event chair this year. Welcome, Cletus. Good Thank to see you, you again. So I, I didn't know what scleroderma was. I, had, I hadn't heard of it before. For those who are like me, what is scleroderma? Scleroderma is an autoimmune disease, um, and it's uh, typically characterized by hard skin. The word scleroderma actually means hard skin, so it's hardening of your skin externally. Um, I've actually had patients describe it to me as um, it feels like I'm turning to stone. Oh, my God. Because of your skin, you lose elasticity in your skin, and, and kind of the same thing is happening on the inside. Okay. So um, your lungs can be affected um, fibrosis of the lungs, um, your heart, your kidneys, your gastrointestinal tract. So everything's kind of uh, coming to a stop. And what I found uh, interesting and scary is it predominantly in women this is happening. It is. It's something like 80% uh, female. Now, I know that there's no cure. There's no, they don't know why this is happening. They don't know where this disease comes from. So have, do they have a hypothesis on why women more than men? No, and I think that you. I think that's pretty common among autoimmune diseases in general. A lot of uh, a lot of autoimmune diseases are that way. But no, we don't really don't know why. They don't know what causes it, and and not really sure why it's predominantly women. And how big? Uh, how many people are affected by scleroderma? Um, well, the best estimate that we have is around three hundred thousand people. Um, but I think what's What's more important is the fact that so many people are being misdiagnosed okay. and going undiagnosed, and that's part of the problem, and that's why we try to raise awareness. Um, even, um, you know, a, a lot of physicians aren't that familiar with it, and yeah. so um, so we really, you know, the awareness piece is important to us because we want to make sure people are getting that early diagnosis because then we can get them to the right physicians, we can get them treated um, properly. Is this a disease that has come to the forefront more recently when you say, because when you say, oh, a lot of physicians don't even know what it is, I'm like, how can that be? If this, <laughs> unless it's something that, that is relatively new on the scene and they just, they, most physicians haven't seen it, so they wouldn't know how yeah. it presents. Yeah. And that's why. Yeah. Um, because, because it is fairly rare. Um, a lot of them have, haven't seen it or haven't treated anyone with it. So, um, so that makes sense. And what at this point, with no cure and with no uh, way to know how somebody gets it, what, how are uh, patients being treated? Um, so there is no overall cure or treatment for the the disease overall. So they basically have to treat the symptoms. Okay. So if you have, um, you know. Um, lung fibrosis, for example, you may be recommended for lung transplant or stem cell uh, transplant or things of that nature. If you have gastrointestinal issues, there are medicines that can okay. affect that. If you have pulmonary hypertension, there's medicines for that. But so, it's not treating the entire, the entire no. disease and, and, as you said, could be misdiagnosed anyway. Yeah, and the trouble is then, then you end up on multiple medications, which all come with side effects. And so, um, so a lot of patients are, you know, taking multiple medications to try to manage all of these issues. And then they're getting, they're dealing with all the side effects that come with it. And how did you get involved with the, the Scleroderma Foundation? So my mom was diagnosed with scleroderma at age 60, um, and she ha did have it in her lungs. She had lung fibrosis, and she passed away at 65. Oh, so it was just five years from you know not even knowing what this was right. to losing her to it. And so that's how I originally got involved, and I've stayed involved over the years just because of all the other um, families and patients I've met yeah. who are still dealing with it and um, just want to want to see some progress made.
Is there is there an age that patients seem to be targeted? Uh, you said your mom was 60. Is it something that affects people later in life? Is it something that uh, can happen at any age? Really any age. It does affect men, women, and children even. So, um, But it tends to be... Um, women between the ages of say 25 and 55 okay that kind of range unbelievable and yeah so you guys have two big fundraisers throughout the year to try to to to, to get to raise awareness first of all because people need to know what scleroderma is but also to help you with with your campaigns to you know help patients and all that and one of them is happening thursday it's cooking up a cure and chef cletus friedman is here he is the event chair this year uh cletus uh, give people your resume you've worked at <laughs> you've worked at uh, heaven on seven now you're over at uh, the uh, the restaurant on the lake at the theater, theater on, on the, the lake. lake yeah i was at fountainhead uh, i had my own place city provisions for a while you've been around you've done some things i've had a good time <laughs> and so how did from uh, you know being a chef who's you know you're involved with the community all every day how do you how do you come to get involved with the scleroderma foundation well to, to hear you say you didn't know what scleroderma was it, it this whole event is made to ra- raise awareness yeah and for for a good reason with food and drink there's all this great stuff and uh, you know there are millions of fundraisers in the city all of the time so why why go to one go to the other uh, when, yeah, it seems you, every week, and, and you can't say, "Well, this this uh, cause isn't good." All the causes oh, are good. Everybody, yeah. everybody needs to raise money. Everybody needs awareness, and you have great people involved in mm-hmm. all of these. So, for the people out there, it's hard to say, "Well, I'm going to go to this one." Right, and we want people to come to this to learn about scleroderma, but also because we have some of the best people involved. I, uh, my father died of scleroderma. He was 51. Uh, back in 91. So, uh, and he was diagnosed a little over a year uh, oh, b- before he died. So, and back then there was, there was nothing. They offered a lung transplant, but they couldn't guarantee that it wouldn't reoccur in his new lung. So there was just a lot of, lot of gray areas. Yeah. So uh, when I had city provisions, I went to the foundation. I said, I want to do something good for scleroderma and raise awareness and came up with cooking up a cure just so happened that that same year, Stephanie and, and her sister were working on another food-based event. Right. Uh, we kind of crossed paths and did the two throughout the year, and then we decided to just focus on one, and that's okay. cooking up a cure. Cooking up, because so, you, what would, what was yours called, Stephanie? Food fight. Food fight. Yeah. That, that was all celebrity <laughs> chefs doing battle, right? Yeah, yeah they, had to, they competed against each other, and we had a lot of fun with that. Yeah, yeah that it was, was food great. fight for scleroderma. For, yep. So then you two, you two combined, and now it's yep. cooking up a cure. Uh, let's take a quick break, and then we'll come back, and we'll, we'll talk all about cooking for a cure. And we'll, you know, we are going to convince people that, yes, there are a lot of great causes out there, but Thursday night, there's only one cause, and you need to be at, uh, you need to be at City, City Hall. Hall. City Hall. It starts at 5.30. It goes to 9.30. 838 West Kinsey, of course, is City Hall. If you go to cookingupacurechicago.com, you can uh, get uh, the tickets. You can uh, find out how you can help the Scleroderma Foundation. So we'll talk all about the fundraiser on the other side. It's 720 WGN. If you go to uh, scleroderma.org, that's the website for the foundation. You can learn all about what's going on, what scleroderma is. If you are like me and you are just learning about scleroderma for the first time, uh, take a few minutes. 
read uh, read some of the things at the website, and then go to cookingupacurechicago.com and buy some tickets, because Thursday night at City Hall, it is going to be a wonderful event uh, to raise money to help raise awareness, because as uh, Stephanie Gresh, who is the executive director of the Scleroderma Foundation uh, of Greater Chicago, and Chef Cletus Friedman, who is the event chair this, uh, this year, has been saying, it's all about awareness, right? And that's Is that how, as we were talking during the break, about the government funding? But for the government to cough up dollars, the citizens have to cough up some money so that people know what's going on, right? Yeah, I mean, it's really, um, it's really up to organizations like ours to raise those funds and keep research moving forward. Yeah. It really is. And so this is, a, this is a big event. Now, Cletus, you said you, you crossed paths with Stephanie, and you decided, all right, we're, we've come up with this Cooking Up a Cure. So people, Thursday night, they're going to buy their tickets at cookingupacurechicago.com. They're going to come to City Hall at 530, and what are they going to experience? So at 530, we have VIP hour, and at 630, the main event begins. Okay. And we have some some fantastic chefs for VIP hour. We have Rick Resch. We have Tom Van Lenty. We have uh, City Hall. We have Michael Towles from City Hall. All doing uh, VIP hour. We have uh, Snow Leopard Vodka, Pardita Tequila. We have the Jackson Family Wines. We have all kinds of great stuff going on. That's just the first hour. Right. Um, then we have, uh, oh my goodness, can I run Please, down the list? Take Mike your Sheeran. Time. Yeah, let's give them we all a Pack Sheeran. We have Tom Levitt, Todd Stein, uh, Trevor Cole, Nathan Sears, Sue Ahn from Band of Bohemia, Barry Sorkin with Smoke Barbecue, Catherine Ann Confections, who oh always does awesome truffles may with uh eric mansavage from farmhouse uh joe rizza carol's cookies ashley alban greg legatech with salumi chicago and that's just the food wow. then we have <laughs> then we have uh we have stone brewing we have beguile brewing we have few spirits we have north shore distillery we have candid wines we have nice the booze to food ratio is somewhat an even playing field this year <laughs> so uh that's certainly not a bad thing no not at um, all um we have some amazing silent auction items and the it's, it's a very intimate space so people really get to be one-on-one with these chefs and with the, the breweries and everybody and it's when you get food and booze together and you have people want to open up their wallets yes they that's do. pretty much what it's all about and once you know they they come in because They've heard about that. They want to. They want to help. And anybody who goes to these fundraisers, they they want to help. But then you get in there, and like you say, you taste some wonderful food. You get to talk to the chefs. Then you have a couple of drinks. And you're like, oh. And then now it's really sinking in what this night is about. Yeah, pull out the credit card. Let's you know, let's bid on some things. Let's throw some money around. And you talk about advocates. We've been uh, Stephanie and, uh, and I have been talking about this. This is our tenth year doing cooking up a cure. Nice. And in those ten years, we've had some amazing chefs. We have an amazing. Uh, beverage people come through and a lot of people involved in our event that really start to understand what scleroderma is and they go back to their restaurants they go back to their breweries distilleries and they get to talk about it oh what'd you do last night well they get to say we did cooking up a cure for chicago what's that and it goes into this dialogue about scleroderma so the awareness starts to spread and become infectious and maybe that person's not donating but now they have it in their head and they're understanding what scleroderma is which is really the base of how all the fundraising gets started and for any for any organization and the scleroderma foundation is no different grassroots grassroots like you said somebody says something so now somebody maybe somebody listening tonight had never heard of had never heard of the scleroderma foundation but they're like oh you know that sounds like something somebody i know had or boy that sounds like a horrible disease 
I want to I want to try to help or let me do some more research and yeah, let, let me go Thursday and yeah, it's yeah. A, it's amazing. I have, you know, just as an example, I had a friend reach out to me recently, and she's always cu- supported the Scleroderma Foundation and Cooking Up a Cure, um, only because she's a friend of mine, mm-hmm. and her next-door neighbor's daughter was recently diagnosed. Oh. And she's, on her, she's off to college. She's getting ready to head off to college. And so, you know, luckily she knew about the foundation, and we mm-hmm. were able to, you know, offer them some resources. But it's amazing over the years how... You know, obviously we got involved because our parents, but how how close it really is, and um, you know how many people are are dealing with this, and we want them to know that there's there's help. Well, that's got to be the scariest thing because, like you said, if if your friend, your daughter, going to college, that's a young that's a young person, yeah. and now she's diagnosed with this. If you don't know that the Scleroderma Foundation is out there, where do you go? Do you do? You're just you're even more mm-hmm. overwhelmed than you are. Because you got a diagnosis like yeah. that. And conversely, what we've seen with this event as well is people come to this event because it's great night out for yes. food and drink, right? You can't get this level of food and drink in Chicago for two, less than 200 bucks. Right. So people want to come and they want to experience that. Now they're learning what scleroderma is. Now they're understanding what the foundation's about. Now they're learning where those dollars are going to. And it sort of means a lot more to them yes. now. And, and then they an get to leave with it's that It's an easier sell anytime somebody's having a good time. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you were to sit down with a PowerPoint and go, listen, we are going to educate you today on, the, on scleroderma and the foundation would be like, oh, okay. And, <laughs> you know, maybe you retain a little bit. But if I'm walking around and I'm talking to all kinds of people and I'm having a good time and I'm in an environment that maybe I wouldn't have been in before, that's going to stick with me, and I'm going to I'm going to be a little more curious. And then tomorrow, like you said, please, you go tomorrow. I'm talking to somebody else. What'd you do last night? Mm-hmm. Here's what I did. I last remember night. 11 years ago when I said I was sitting with the board at the Scleroderma Foundation trying to pitch this idea of of an event. Yeah. And I said, it, you know, people can run 80 flights up steps, and people can run 30 miles and walk 100 miles and do this and do that. But when you get people together with great food and great booze that's a great fundraiser Mm -hmm. and people loosen up they have a good time and all of a sudden it's an evening out and that being said in this city with all these great people it turns into more of an an easier uh quote unquote sell to someone when you're asking them for a couple hundred bucks or you know we want you to come spend five thousand dollars on on all kinds of great prizes what kind Oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. So you're easily going to spend this much going out to one Easy. restaurant, well, sure. right, right, for dinner and a couple of drinks, and oh, so yeah. you get to try all the restaurants that Cletus just listed yeah. um, in one place. And these chefs really go all out. We have to um, give them so much credit. They really put out some great food at this event. Yeah, and, they really um, do go all out, and they yeah. have been year after year. And, I was going to ask so how grateful. tough is it? How tough is it for you know they, they've got to be clamoring to get back in? It's got to be it's got to be a good place for you guys to be in to say. Well, listen. This year we've we're full up. You'll have to wait till next year. <laughs> yeah, to come this, back. and this year we're doing it at City Hall, which is a brand new venue. Yeah. We're super excited to be there. It's absolutely gorgeous. It's a little smaller of a venue, so right. but we're we're cramming everybody in there. It'll be intimate and fun, and and people have plenty plenty to eat. And people always want to know: Was it black tie? How how fancy do I have to be to come to cooking up a cure Thursday night? Right. Uh, it was, <laughs> it's not black tie. I'll answer that with no, it's not black tie. I mean, I think this might be the best kept secret in Chicago because you don't have to, you don't have to put on a tie yeah, good. or a super fancy no. dress. It's cocktail attire. Okay. Um, so people get dressed up, but no, it's not black tie and, um, Mm-mm. and, you know, get to have a great night.
Only because I don't want to wear a black tie. I was going to say, not, you don't, you don't strike don't me as the that. black tie guy. You know? <laughs> Any tie is <laughs> Well, sure, if you're major working occasion. in a kitchen, you're not putting on a tie <laughs> nope. at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, we were talking about the specifics of the disease uh, at the beginning, Stephanie. And um, what the, there was, you, you said your parents both, it, it took them very quickly. But it's not that way for everybody, right? Some, some people survive with this for a long time. That's correct. You know, I, I know people who have lived with this, uh, 30 years even, you know, a long time. And so that's the, that's one of the challenges is that it kind of affects everybody differently. And so you want people to, um, take it seriously and you want them to, um, do, you know, be educated about it and go see the right physicians, um, and be proactive with their own healthcare and, and make sure that they're paying attention to it. Um, but well, there because is. Because describe for some of these yeah. people who live with it for so long, the horrible effect on their quality of life. Yeah, even even then, um, a lot of times it does affect your quality of life in a lot of cases because the hands are typically affected. And so we have what's called Raynaud's phenomenon in your hands, which means they get very, very cold to the point where they turn purple or, um, or white. Um, and so you really, even in the summertime, you may need to wear gloves. You really, going into the grocery store is very difficult because it's cold in the yeah, grocery store. Yeah. So even all those things um, are affected. And um, it can cause hand contractures where you're, you know, you can't straighten your fingers. Um, uh, ulcers, sometimes people lose digits. So it, it just makes kind of everyday life difficult in those cases because you can't, um, you can't do a lot of um everyday things and again because there is no cure and there's no known treatment yet people are misdiagnosed with this so if 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 you think maybe this is something that sounds familiar to you you go to scleroderma.org and uh, get all the information on the disease uh healthcare professionals different care there's information for caregivers and friends and one of the best ways you can help is thursday night go to CookingUpACureChicago.com. Buy your tickets to Cooking Up a Cure. You will have a wonderful time. It's at City Hall, which is at 838 West Kinsey in Chicago. VIP hour is 530 to 630, and then 630 to 930 is the rest of the event. You will meet fantastic chefs serving you wonderful food. You will meet brewers and distillers, and they will give you drinks, and you will be uh, feeling good, and then you will be feeling generous. And uh, Chef Cletus Friedman will be there. Uh, what's, uh, what's going on at uh, your place on the lake? Everything's going on Everything's over there. Going yeah, it's on been there. quite the, quite the summer. Things are winding down, which yeah. is, which is nice. And then we'll <laughs> spend the winter waiting for next summer once again. But there you go. But this week you're all about uh, you're all about cooking up a cure. All about it. And, and you know what's nice is that this you know being on the radio here gives us the opportunity to talk about it. And also when people people have these symptoms and they don't know and they don't yeah. know what it is, uh, it, it's nice to reach an audience that might be saying, oh, uh, right. this is going on with my hands. They're really cold, and it's summertime. What does that mean? Yeah, what's going on? Yeah, and and yeah. Like, like you said, Stephanie, sometimes you go in and it, oh, it seems gastrointestinal. gastrointestinal. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, we're going we're gonna to treat that symptom, but yeah. take it's responsibility, know, know what's going on with you, and support organizations like the Scleroderma Foundation that are helping spread the word and give you the information that you need. And one of the best ways you can do that is to help them uh, raise funds to spread that awareness. 
The best way to do it, go have a good time. You yep. could, sure, you could send a check. You'd take just a check. People sure. could go yeah. to the website. But why do that? Why, why just send a check? <laughs> Might as well get something for it. Exactly. Go have a good time. And then yeah. the people you're talking to about it, they'll be having a drink, too. Everybody's getting mm-hmm. along. Who doesn't like drinking yeah. at a party? It's a good time. And enjoying the best food in the city. Thank you both for being here. Good luck. Again, it is Cooking Up a Cure. It is CookingUpACureChicago.com. Thursday night. From 5.30 to 9.30, 5.30 to 6.30, VIPs, 6.30 to 9.30, the main event. You can go, there's, uh, there's uh, it's, for, for a couple, like you say, about 200 bucks. Less. You can't, you can't be less. less than 200 mm-hmm. bucks. And you're going you're gonna to have a wonderful time. Uh, City Hall is at 838 West Kinsey, so go enjoy. Thank you both Thank for being you, here. Bob. I appreciate Thanks it. Thanks for having us. Uh, so you're much. very welcome. All right, let's, uh, it's news time. Yes, right? Oh, yeah, we don't have to take another break. News. So, yeah, no, it's, it's, <laughs> the news, the news <laughs> waits for no man, Cletus, except yeah. me, because I'll talk until I'm done, and he's got to wait. He's not going to jump in. Are you, Roger? No. 630. <laughs> even when I go to him. Update. Yeah, even when I go to him, he's not going to talk. <laughs> In the newsroom, Roger Badish. Uh, Roger, had you ever heard? Had you ever heard of scleroderma? Yes, I have. Had you seen uh, in passing, well, remember, Bridget's a nurse, right? And you're an award-winning journalist. So well, you, you hear about things. I do hear about things, but she's talked about it in, in years past. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, this is something because we were talking about it again uh, with Stephanie as she was mm-hmm. leaving. One of the most frustrating things, not only with scleroderma but with with a lot of diseases, is misdiagnosis. Yes, because doctors haven't seen it and. This is why, I, I don't know if anybody else is like this, and if you want to jump in, 312-981-7200. Uh, now, you've had a lot of experience with doctors you've mm-hmm. been, because of being sick, but mm-hmm. thankfully you're, you're much better now. Mm-hmm. I, have, I, I don't have a lot of faith in doctors, and that's a sad thing because this week I have to go to three doctors, and I'm terrified. Three different doctors for three different things, mm-hmm. uh, because now I'm an old man, and I guess uh, my body. If, <laughs> because I treat my body like I treat my car, I don't fix it unless it breaks. I'm not a big fan of preventative maintenance, and I think that goes with a lot of people. Actually, it is, and, and people will joke that it's a male stereotype, and I don't think so. My my reason for it is, for my entire life, I was fat, right. and so every doctor with every ailment. Well, if you lost weight, you'd be you'd be fine. Really, I have strep throat. How does it? Well, if you weren't eating so much, your throat wouldn't get infected. What? <laughs> every honest to God, right? Now, no, I I get you. You sure. know, every diagnosis, and then then even you know because one of the things they tell people when they're fat is, oh, you're going to get high blood pressure, you're going to get diabetes, blah 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 blah. Mm-hmm. I never had any of that. So, but the doctors had nothing to fall back on, so they'd still go, well, sure. you know, being fat, you're you're gonna get it. Mm-hmm. Really, that's your whole. You spent all those years in medical school, then residency, then private practice to look at me and go, "Well, fatty, that's the cause of all your problems." Now, if I'm in talking about, listen, my back hurts or my knees hurt, okay, I get that. So, sure. So I, sure. I carry that with me anytime I go to a doctor. I and I've also had yeah. doctors, and and it's frustrating. And I listen. I know. Science, and I believe in science, and I believe it's real, unlike some people who mm-hmm. uh, of a different hue, um, you know, <laughs> orange. I, uh, I believe in science, and I believe in, in medicine, and I know it, it's, thank God it's there. Right. But I know for me, a lot of times it's, well, we can't figure it out. And so I'm like, well, then, the, and then when I uh-huh. really do need a doctor, I can't get in to see one. Well, do you have an appointment? Well, I'm trying to make an appointment. We can see in three months. Well, see, here's the thing. In three months, it'll either have fixed itself, mm-hmm. 
I'll have learned to live with the pain or the disfigurement, or I'll be dead. So maybe, I don't know, a week? Can we, can we make it within a week? No, no. We don't have anything for a couple months. So I'm like, you know what? At this point, I'm, uh, I'm going to treat myself like an animal, where I'm just going to go along and... Until you keel over? <laughs> I no. Well, it's, I'm trying. I know. I'm trying to go. Like I said, this week there was a couple things. I'm like, all right, I should probably go to the doctor. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't hold out a lot of hope. Not for not for my long term. <laughs> not for you know. Not for my longevity. But just for the fact that any of these things will be uh, be revealed or or fixed. All right. So you have to have some semblance of hope because you made the appointments. I get it. You know, you know what I'm why saying? I made the appointments. Why? To silence my lovely wife. Oh, she's been bugging you. Well, no, she always she's a big proponent of go to the doctor. Okay, if something is wrong, go to the doctor. Right, and then I give her my whole spiel about why I don't go to the doctor. Mm-hmm. She shakes her head and calls me an idiot, and then storms off into another room, and then comes back and goes, "You, sh- you she call cares the about you." But she she's ca- right. <laughs> she's right about what? that about I'm an idiot. You. When you no, that she's. Of course, she's right about that. When we, you, you know, duh. When you feel sick, you go to the doctor. Yeah, but but I think what he's getting at is the medical profession is changing. There are a lot of outpatient offices now uh, throughout the the U.S. They're they're not in the hospital. They're not at the doctor's office. It's these little offices, satellite offices affiliated with hospitals that you you go to in and out. That's what they want to see now. I'm like, we as humans are like going to the doctor is like going to a Jiffy Lube. In and out. You don't, there's no, we don't. Uh, we don't really know our doctors that much right. anymore, unless you go to a specialist mm-hmm. and you go to them for a long time. Like I'm sure you you know your specialists, right? I've got uh, I've got two of them, right? But when yeah. I go to the doctor, it's whoever in the group is available, right? Or uh, like this week, it's a couple specialists, uh, but I don't know them, and I you know they're not gonna they're they're gonna look at me and go, well, uh, what lose weight? I'll strangle them. But um, I didn't know my specialist before I went to see them. But did they take more time to talk? I think... Uh, mine did, and because, I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Let me guess. Is it because your your condition was very serious? It, it was serious, but I, I made a point of being proactive. I had tons of questions, and I wasn't leaving until I was clear on every point they were making. I needed to under. I needed to. So you made them stay in that room till they were done answering your questions, and and not just answering the questions, but that I understood what they were saying, especially if there was medical speak. You know what I'm saying? Put it in layman's terms. Medical speak, isn't there? Well, not not necessarily. Um, I mean, when they start listing diseases and 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 using scientific terms to describe what is scientifically wrong with me. Then I asked them to put it into plain language. Help me understand this. Well, sure, that makes sense. Yeah, you know, and but I would not let them go. In other words, certain <laughs> I wasn't Roger holding on to him and locking the door. The door. Yeah, <laughs> I need to know. I need answers. Give me an answer, please. But people, and I found this out as I've gone through this cancer thing. The uh, that. Others who have had these types of diseases, and other critical diseases, near-life-threatening diseases, or, or accidents, or whatever, that, that if they persist in learning everything, they can face it better, and their doctors are more honest and open with them. 
Mm-hmm. Now, it, it, it can be with just the specialist. I happen to be lucky that my... A uh, private physician, well, not private, but my... my wow, Roger has a, his own physician on call, Cody. <laughs> Newsroom must be where the money is. Actually, actually I, I do doctor, have his cell number. Uh, and I fly to him in my private jet, the <laughs> baddish one. The uh, baddish one and, and a half. Yes, and I fly over there to my to my island where my private physician... What are you, Jeffrey Epstein? No. Uh, no, no, of course not. I'm kidding. So, uh, But our, our regular physician, who... That's all he does. He just sees patients day and night long. He doesn't work out of a hospital. Okay. A lot of physicians do, so that's why they don't have office time. Who do you go time. see? Moonlight Graham? Huh? Yes. <laughs> Darn Tootin. Burton Lancaster comes to your house. This is, with a this black is bag? my guy I've told you about, the one who has the bar in his office. Oh, that's right. Yeah, remember? Now, see, that's the kind of doctor I need to go to. I know. Maybe you should go to him. I, for, I don't think I have what you had. It doesn't matter. He's a general practitioner. He covers everything. I'll go in and I say, you know, uh, my left shoulder was making this squeaky sound this morning. Boom. He knows what it is. He prescribes either medicine or he sends you to physical therapy or he's got a specialist. And that's how I got my specialist through him because he cares about his patients. I'm very, very lucky. Bridget and I are both very lucky. We, we both see him that he is that good. He cares about his patients. He stays up to date on everything and he's not going to BS you. Well, and he'll sit there and talk with you about this stuff. You're very lucky. I have not very found, lucky. I have not found anyone like that. Uh, well, see me before you leave. Well, it's you're. you're I know it doesn't help this week. But. Geographically undesirable. No, it's it's well. Trust me, it's well worth the trip. Maybe he's got yeah. a good selection of scotch. <laughs> Listen, I got a. I have a lot of booze in my own house. I don't need to go. I don't need to do a copay to get some uh, to get some booze. My my deductible is not going to be. Uh, if I'm going to blow my deductible on booze, I'm going to be doing it on my own time, uh, and not sitting on a piece of butcher paper waiting for a guy to come in and uh, come in and examine me, bend me over and make me cough. Uh, that's not going to happen. So yeah, I don't think that's the position you take when you cough. <laughs> Just, I don't know. Just so you look know. towards the ceiling. Yeah, it's different. <laughs> Are you sure? Yes. You look sure. towards the ceiling, and then they say cough, and you go, whoo and uh, cough. Listen, I do that at home. Everything feels fine. Uh, I, I cough during commercials. I, I give myself my own exams. Okay. Uh, but there's also, you know what? There's also a part of me, and I know this is dumb. There's a part of me that doesn't want to know. It doesn't want to know what? What's know. wrong with you? Yeah, it doesn't want to know. You know oh, no, 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 no. You have to. Well, we'll see. I told you, I'm doing it. All right? I know. I'm, all right, all right. I'm going to Are we to going to get it. a report the next time you're in? If, listen, if I'm still around. <laughs> Stop. I'm, uh, <laughs> I said that today to... Well, because uh, really, the only time I... Got, well, you remember. Yeah. Uh, was it last year or two years ago that I, I was here doing the show, and an hour later... I was admitted to the hospital. That's right. Because I was not going to go to the doctor until I got a call. My wife got a call at home from a friend of ours who was listening to this broadcast and said, if what he's saying is true, he needs to get to the emergency room right now. And I went in. They looked at me in the emergency room and went, oh, you're staying. So <laughs> I remember that, I mean, yes. I, uh, there's, there's a point where <laughs> I I will go at some point. Yeah. Um, and again, I'm. The, the, but the, that's the most frustrating part is not being able to get in when you finally need. Agreed. How do I know that I need to make a doctor's appointment three months out if I don't have any symptoms? I know. You know, I'm not going to go. 
Hmm. You know That's what, what those you know urgent what care about? places are for, though, that but I was talking about. Urgent care is if you've got strep throat or if you break your hand. Or if you or can't if, get into a doctor for three months to see something right. you're worried about. But, it, but they're not going to, they're going to look, they can't, you know, urgent care for me is if something, you know, like I said, if I've got a fever or if I've got, if I'm, you know, something right. like that, I'll go to the urgent so care. So what you're saying is what you have is not urgent. What I have is... Uh, You're very concerned about it. No, no, no. It. It's, well, what's the difference? If you're very concerned about it, you should go into urgent care. There's nothing, and get, but see, there's nothing urgent care can do for me. They can. They can diagnose. I diagnose. They can test. I know what's going on. <laughs> Something's messed up. Uh, I can look at it and go, this ain't right. Okay. And I didn't spend eight years in medical school. Uh, this isn't right. Uh, okay, I know I have to see... This sort of doctor for right. this sort of problem. One, three different specialists. I know I need this doctor for this thing, right. this doctor for this thing, and this doctor for the other thing. Okay, and I I'll, know that. you'll do that. I, well, I've I'm yeah. trying, and I know that you. Well, now it's it's this week you're seeing them, right? I'm seeing two of them this week, and okay. the, the third one, uh, I'm 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 hoping to get to. these are, and these are, you know, I found these. Two of these specialists through referrals. Okay. So referrals from people that I know who have gone to these doctors. All right. And they're good. Well, so? we'll find out. You know, again, first doctor that tells me I need to lose some weight, I'm punching right in the throat. <laughs> you, and I'm, gonna, I'm going to give them a rectal exam that they've never had before. <laughs> it's going to exi- involve a size 15 ASICs. Yes. Uh, right in the bar. <laughs> it'll be very, oh, it'll be uncomfortable for both of us. And I'm never going to ask them to take a deep breath first. It's just going to be thwap. Here we go. Everything is fine. Uh, Cody has checked out of this conversation as a man who loves that. the medical community. He everything about medicine. He blindly believes. Um, <laughs> you know, you know, he can't risk. He can't risk his physicians hearing this and going, "Were you uh, were you a party to that diatribe? Uh, we will not be treating you anymore." I, I, you're right. I have nothing to add to this. Because <laughs> now, because you go to the doctor, right? Yeah, I go, I go religiously. I go every six months, I see my endocrinologist. Okay. And then every year or two, I see my physician, my primary care physician. Year or two? For that a, doesn't sound very regular. For a checkup, because you got to get checked for stuff. You know, the Do number I... one cause of bad things happening is lack of preventative care. There you go. Seriously. Yeah. What are you, that Mr. Is... Goodwrench now, too? Dude, I'm very, <laughs> I am very serious about... Uh, see, about but doctors i think people who have a condition are more uh, have a uh, are more conscientious about their care i know my wife who is diabetic is very conscientious about keeping up with that kind of stuff yeah if you have a a continuing Uh, right an existing condition yeah uh me my existing condition is all mental i don't do anything to help that either but but these things are things that now, one, granted, one has gotten, one, two of them are fairly recent. One has been progressively getting worse over the last few years, and I just kind of was like, well, maybe, maybe it'll go away, <laughs> which is, you know, I think, the best way to treat any sort of ailment. Just think that it'll go away. I'm like, I treat my physical condition like Marianne Williamson treats hurricanes. I just pray on it a lot and uh, ask people to think about my disease is going away, and then hopefully they'll go away. When we all know we should be nuking them. 
Oh, well, sure. Uh, I also take a Sharpie on my medical records and write in things. Uh, you know, the doctor will say, oh, he's got, uh, you know, uh, bronchitis, blah, blah, blah. And then I'll write in, but he's a really good dancer. And I'll say, why is this on your chart? I go, I think it's important for everyone to know. Diagnosis? Fabulous. Fabulous. Well, I don't know. We have to amputate. Yes, but it's still fabulous, right? I'll still be moving about. All right, let's take a quick break because Cody is very nervous that uh, the entire medical community is going to come down here and uh, pick it. And uh, I don't blame you. I'd be nervous, too, if I was part of this program. But since I'm not, I really have no uh, no cares one way or the other. All right. We're here till 7. Cody got very excited during that. We were listening to Roe talk about the green tie ball, and uh, Cody and I will be there. If, you, if you're if you at the green tie ball and you see us hobnobbing, Cody in his cheater tie and me in my real bow tie, uh, come up, say hello. We'll be, uh, we'll try, we, we won't be too aloof, will we? Usually when we're out in public, people are afraid to approach us, especially when we're together. We're like a, a formidable tag team, like the Road Warriors or the Legion of Doom. People see us and they're like, ooh, we're, these two are, they're, they're a formidable force. Well, we're the tallest show at the station. We are the tallest show with the uh, most reach. We're both about 6'4". Yeah, we can reach up and get things off the top shelf. So you got excited because uh, we're going to a venue that I have not been to, and you've been to this place before, the Alhambra Palace? The Alhambra. Alhambra Palace. I've passed that place a bunch on Randolph, and I'll be honest, every time I drove past, I went... What sort of illicit activities are happening in there? It looks like a place that there there would be some sort of chicanery happening. And I'm, I know I'm wrong, but that's from the outside because it looks so exotic. Brian, it's in the trendy West Loop. I know, but there's also like an adult bookstore down the street. So it's not it's not completely uh, cleaned up. Well, there's still there's still things happening, but it, it looks like somewhere where exotic things will happen. It's like a slice of Las Vegas in the West Loop. I can't wait. Yeah, it looks like the old Aladdin Hotel from the outside. Yeah. And that's not, don't get triggered. There was a hotel in Las Vegas for young people who were like, did he just say Aladdin? Is he, is he Persia bashing? Well, no, there was, <laughs> you know how it is, Cody. Somebody's going to hear it go, did he just equate everybody with Aladdin? Because, I, no. The, Roger remembers the Aladdin Hotel. Yes, I do. Right there in the middle of the strip. It was fantastic. That's right. It's where, uh, what's there now? Uh, probably the Paris? No. Yes, Paris, I think, is right there now. That's oh, where the really? Aladdin used I haven't been back in a, a number yeah, of years. That's where the Aladdin used to be, where mm-hmm. the Paris is. But this place looks like it could be the Aladdin. Planet in, wait a minute. So the Aladdin, uh, I'm trying to remember, it's been so long. Was There, there was a uh, performing arts auditorium next to it. Uh, that I don't remember. Yeah, it was like, at the it was Aladdin. Like I was there when they closed it, it down. And then the Aladdin. Yeah, I yeah. I was there. Uh, the state gaming board closed it down wow. for a day. I was a reporter there that day, well, that, that time. That's the kind of law and order that you expect when you go to Las Vegas. Yeah, We're that, shutting you down for about seven hours. Exactly. Keep, then keep it down after that. Everything will be fine. <laughs> uh, Karen Conti's here. She may want to talk about uh, the Aladdin Hotel. Did you ever go to the Aladdin? Did you I ever that... go to Vegas back in the day? No. You know, that's not my deal. No? I know people love the place, but I just don't find anything interesting at all about it. I don't anymore, quite frankly. I like... Back when I first went, and there were still some of the small casinos, and it still had that kind of feel where, eh, you know, you never know. If you if you upset somebody, you might end up in a ditch. I like That's that. That's appealing to you. 
Well, it gives it gives the whole thing a little more gravitas. Now it's all like, oh, look, everybody's happy. I'm not. Uh, that's not. I'm not a fan. But uh, have you been to this Al- Alhambra Palace? You ever been there on Randolph? I have. I was there right when it opened. Really? Yeah. Did you, do you like it? Because Cody Cody can't stop raving about well, it. Well, the problem is I went there right when it opened. Okay. <laughs> so they hadn't worked the kinks out, but it's really an amazingly beautiful place. I can't wait. Now I don't know about the food. How, how the food was like okay when I was there. I've heard it's now better. Yeah. This is well. This is all these uh, big chefs for this. Uh, green tie ball on Friday. Oh, interesting. Uh, we are, you know, Cody and I hobnob, Karen. We're in the big social circles. We're out with the movers and the shakers. I feel so little. We might be on a social, uh, the social page in the Tribune. Don't get too jealous. It'll be very fascinating. I don't read the paper. Uh, I, <laughs> yeah, now that we're not owned by Tribune, we don't have to count out of the newspaper. It's a dying medium. Uh, you know, it's online. Anyway, so welcome. Good to see you. Good to see you. I missed uh, you. I missed you. Yes, last week we were out doing God knows what because, uh, you know, there's sports. But this week, no sports. No Next sports. week, I think there's sports. Who knows? Who knows? If I'm here, if I'm here, it's good to see you. If I'm not here, I'll see you next time. But, uh, so what are we What are we talking about? Well, What's going on? It's Grandparents' Day, and I wanted to ask I you, you know, you that. are not there yet. No, thank but God. it's not going to be that long if your daughter decides to procreate. I mean, yeah, I know you a, don't want to think about your daughter procreating. No, it's really not a happy wild. thought. I'm, I'm going home to eat. I don't. That's not. No, I mean, at some point, at some point, if she chooses to to have kids, that'd be great. Now, to be is, a grandfather. Is that something that you are looking forward to? Because I know so many parents of children her age are just they can't wait. Is that no, something? I, no. Until you brought it up, I can honestly say I haven't really given it any thought. Huh? It's I. You know, if it happens, terrific. I remember. Uh, and I think this is the way with a lot of kids. You see your parent, like when my dad, when Molly was born and my dad was now a grandfather. And I saw him interact with Molly and I'm like, that's not how you interacted with exactly. us. And, and I think that's the way a lot of people see when their parents become grandparents. They're like, where was this person? Oh, yes. My, my mother with my uh, nephews, it's like, I couldn't have snacks. I couldn't have this. Do you want four scoops of chocolate ice cream or do you want six? <laughs> I mean, like, who is this person? I don't even know this woman. Yeah, it's it's funny because, and then, of course, now as a parent, I go, well, it's different. Because the grandparents know they can give them back. Right. And they don't really have that responsibility. You know, the grandparent, you hope they'll keep them alive while they're, while they're watching them. <laughs> but it's the parent's job to keep them alive and clothe them and right. house them and educate them. And so there's that pressure. And you don't have time. You don't always have time to be the fun one. Sometimes you just have to be the parent. The grandparents, Ugh. you can do whatever you, you know. Right. It's terrific. It's they, all love and sugar. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know. But I haven't thought about it. Yeah. It's, but I'm gonna have a, I have a woman who wrote a book. She's a PhD. She wrote the book, The Essential Grandparent. She's got some really ooh. interesting ideas about how people move into grandparenthood and it should be celebrated. It should be dealt with. It yeah. should be thought of in a positive way because there's still a little bit of a stigma of being a grandparent because that means you're old, which is not true. That's not true. Especially, no. I mean, the, today, if you look, yeah. yeah, if you look over the last couple decades... You can have 45-year-old grandparents right. or less, and that's not old. And even, you know, if you're 60 and you're a grandparent, that's hey, not Hey, there old. was a woman who just gave birth in India. Did you see I this? I saw that. 72, 73 years old. She gave birth um, to, to, she's to, to twins. Yeah, it's just, that's, that's too much. That's, that's a little wrong. It's like Tony Randall becoming a dad at 80-something. Well, and the father here was 80. Like, what do you do? No, see, at that point, it, it, come on. <laughs> it's uh, I'm, Listen, I'm happy you're getting frisky at that age, but it's... <laughs> I think it was in vitro, Brian. Well... Who knows? You hear, <laughs> listen. You hear all these stories about these uh, these retirement uh, villages. Oh man, that's 
venereal diseases are a huge upswing. Oh, come it, on. Check it out. I'm not lying. This is not just me <laughs> making stuff up to sound salacious. People are going crazy in there because they don't have any, they, no responsibilities. It's all boom, boom, boom. And there's, wow. there's not a lot of guys because men die earlier. So the ladies are on the hunt. Good this for is all news to me. Well, ask the grandparent lady. I'm going ask, to ask, ask your expert. Also ask, if you would, because this is something that I just read a big, a big article about it. Grandparents resenting the fact that their children are now like telling them how to, how to grandparent. Because, oh, yes. Like, I remember when, when Molly was born, all of a sudden we thought we were the experts on parenting. Right. And my mom and dad didn't know anything, even though my four brothers and I are all still alive. Right. So Well, it goes both ways. It out. I yeah. think the parents are telling the grandparents how to parent, and the grandparents are telling the parents how to parent. Yeah. And there's a lot of know-it-all stuff, and I think the gist of her book is you got to take a deep breath okay. and just see your grandchildren and love them, and don't make you're not making the rules anymore, but you're just going to follow the rules. I mean, you know, if, if you're, the mom wants to feed them organic grapes, we'll feed them organic grapes. Yeah. You know, instead of Pringles. So, you know. Yeah, give him a couple Pringles. Couple give him more on the side. Yeah, well, you're the grandma. <laughs> all right, well, it sounds fanta- fast, fascinating and fantastic. All of the F words, not all of them, most of them, <laughs> the good ones. Have a good show. Okay, you have a good we week, We'll talk Brian. to you later. Thanks, Karen. Karen Conti coming up on the other side of the news. Thank you for listening and being part of the program. Cody, thank you, as always, for your stellar work uh, trying to stay awake throughout the program. Roger, thank you for wearing a bright blue shirt. It's always uh, lovely. It matches your eyes. You look terrific. We'll talk to you again very, very soon. Chicago Stories told 24-7. On 720 WGN Chicago. Smart speaker users, hey, just say play WGN Radio on TuneIn. That's all you need to do. It is 7 o'clock with the news. Roger Batty.